This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Angela Henderson. Angela is the founder of the highly successful online store Finley and Me, which evolved into Angela Henderson Consulting. Thank you for joining me today. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Uh, pleasure to have you on. Yes, pleasure uh, to be here. It's always great to connect with new people from around the world and learn about their own experiences and help your audience. So yes, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So can you tell me a little bit about your journey? Uh, Where did you get started? How did you get to where you are now? Sure, I'd love to. So uh, almost 10 years ago, because my little one will be 10, I was looking at businesses initially and then Finley, my almost 10 year old came along and I was just sitting there one day going, listen, there's got to be something better than the toys that are on the market that are all plastic and battery operated. And, you know, let me just put a caveat out there. Yes, I do have those toys in my house, but I was going, there's going to be something else that can kids can kind of spark their own imagination and really have a good time and fun. And that's when I started outsourcing uh, wooden toys for kids to work on their fine motor skill development, spark imagination, imaginary uh, play, and creating ultimately childhood memories through play, love, and travel. And I started my first business, which was Finley and Me. Um, We've been going now for nine years, and we've just wrapped up, uh, which I'll talk a little bit about in a minute. And that was an e-commerce platform. At one stage, we had 1,400 different educational toys and baby products that we were selling. And through that platform, I also had another monetary stream, which was I was one of Australia's leading parenting bloggers. I was asked to work with Netflix as one of their top 30 bloggers. I worked with major cruise lines, major supermarkets here in Australia. Uh, both internet, uh, international and internationally. And through Finley and me, uh, I guess you could say that my reputation started to grow, which is always great. And I started to get asked for advice. And I remember looking at my diary and there's about 14 cups of coffee or pick my brain sessions that I had with individuals. And I realized, well, hold on a minute. If I charge for my expertise for each of these, I can then turn this into a secondary business. And so approximately three years ago, I started Angela Henderson Consulting. And that's kind of where I'm, my journey is, is at now is through Finley and me. I've now ended up as a business consultant and coach working with women, women in business to help them move from really being stuck and overwhelmed and having, you know, too much of the time working in their business to helping them create the strategy and clarity they need in order to grow uh, six and seven figure businesses. So yeah, so that's a little bit about my business journey and where I'm at today. That's awesome. So what kind of motivated you to get into that in terms of the company? How did you get into the uh, kind of blogging space as well? Yeah, so I guess my motivation, a little bit more on that is just, you know, looking at Finley and just going, there's got to be something else there that we can bring into Australia that's different than what all the major, I guess, chains are, you know, producing. So it was kind of my motivator. My second motivator was, again, I'm just a strong, I guess, minded woman. And so I guess I was like, surely I can make this work. And I just started off at local markets. I didn't even have a website. And then when I saw that things started to take off at the markets and we were having, you know, days. I was like, clearly if I put this online, it will be, you know, it should grow even bigger, which it did. And then with the blogging, 
I realized that my audience, which is moms, which is great, and they're the ones buying for their kids, that they, there's, they're the buyer, and obviously because they're buying for the kids, that's great, but I was missing out on a component that I could start building relationships with those moms. So that's when I started blogging, not just about things that like the top 10 educational toys or whatever, because moms would start to get bored of that. I started to survey my audience and ask them questions like, what are you struggling with? Uh, uh, what, does it, what does your day-to-day look like? And through that, I found that um, a lot of women were suffering from postnatal depression. And so um, as I trained mental health clinician at 15 years, I did my training here in Australia and then I did my clinical practice in North Carolina. I was able to write about topics like anxiety and depression, not only for women, but also for children. And it was through being able to build those connections on different levels that when I did uh, sell my, do you mean my actual products, the moms had a relationship with me and they were happy to support the overall business and buy for their children. So, uh, and then I just started to get more and more hits to my website. Uh, uh, and then I started to reach out to different, you know, um, agencies in here in Australia that work with influencers and bloggers. Uh, and then it was again by building those ongoing connections with my peers and other businesses that, uh, yeah, I was asked to join the Netflix uh, team over here in Australia to blog for them. No, oh, that's awesome. So, what motivates you to succeed on a personal level in all those endeavors? On a personal level. Listen, I mean, my kids play a small component of it, yes, but I also, what motivates me to succeed is just that, yeah, again, I'm, what, like I said earlier, a strong woman, and I want to see more women in business succeed, but I also want to be able to make a bigger impact in the world, and I guess mental health is a uh, significantly strong uh, cause that I'm an advocate for, and for me is, you know, if I'm able to be successful, I then have more opportunities and when I have more opportunities, I've got a bigger voice to be able to advocate for mental health. And if I've got a bigger voice, I'm going to be able to make that bigger impact. Um, so yeah, so what really motivates me is being able to get to a point in business, we're almost there, where I can set up a secondary either a foundation or a not-for-profit and I start looking at ways of either you know uh, starting some programs over here for mental health for adults yeah we haven't quite figured it out but that's the end goal that keeps motivating me every day to keep doing a little bit more is the bigger impact that I can leave for those with a mental illness that's great I think uh, mental health health is often uh, kind of a overlooked uh, part of society and 100%. Uh, yeah, especially in the United States, I don't think the system does a good job to provide the services and like you said, to, to advocate for those with uh, mental health issues and uh, ways they can cope and kind of live their lives productively with uh, a mental illness. You know, I mean, in Australia, I can't speak on the stats for America. I know they'd be much greater because your population is much greater. But in Australia, we have eight people that take their lives every single day, which it works out roughly to about 2,400, 2,500 people a year. Um, we have less road toll deaths, you know, so driving in a car in whatever, do you know what I mean? Um, an accident happens on the roads. Uh, we have about, say, 600 to 700 people, unfortunately, that die during each year because of the road tolls. However, there's 10 times more funding for the roads than there is for mental illness. But yet, so the road tolls have about six to 700 people that pass away. Suicide is about 24 to 2,500 or more every year. But yet we only get a 10th of the funding to try and help with prevention. So I, I, I'm not minimizing those people who have unfortunately passed away on the roads. I still think like for those families, very horrific. But I just think that there's an imbalance and a disconnect with our government and the priorities of where money probably needs to go in to help with more early intervention. I agree. I think depression is also um, 
big, like you mentioned, uh, postpartum depression. And there's a lot of uh, kind of depression in on the entrepreneur space. So, you know, entrepreneurship is often a, you know, a lonely journey, which, you know, one undertakes mostly on their own and is yes. you know, a lot of stresses and doesn't necessarily have the avenues or kind of the uh, the channels to you know express themselves or kind of get that out so you know, there's been a lot of cases here and around the world you know startup founders ceos taking their life because of you know all the pressures and all the the depression that they were uh, going through yes 100 percent. and i think again in this space is just as moms feel the burden on their shoulders about everything they need to do with their children i think entrepreneurs equally feel that from a distribution point of oh my goodness i've got to make this money or else how am i going to pay my bills and like the the pressure is different but it's similar in, in regards to what people are putting themselves under and as you said, not a lot of people talk about it. You know, there's a little bit like a burnout here or, you know, how to prevent burnout and that, but there's not really that talk about, there's a level of burnout and then there's a level of when you've actually got a full-blown diagnosis, right? Where it's to the point where, when I, when I first started my first business, I also, like I said, was a mental health clinician during the day. So I worked five days a week also. And it was through that, unfortunately, that the, yeah, there was some workplace bullying that went on and that led to my own depression and anxiety for a couple of years. And um, yeah, like that's, it wasn't because of the entrepreneur journey, but it was still one of those things that I just look back and I'm like, no one really talks about it. So when I do talk about it, the amount of emails I get, uh, I was here at um, Australia leading podcast uh, conference last year and I was speaking with Pat Flynn on a panel and we were talking about like what impact do you know you want to leave through your podcast and things like that and that was one of the things again that I go back to is that mental health journey because so many people don't talk about it and once I opened up about my own mental illness but also just talking about it I'd say 40 to 50 percent of that room uh, throughout the next couple of days of that particular conference then you know, came up to me and either shared a story of their own experience of mental health or their relatives experience of mental health or a friend um, and thanked me again so much for opening up about that so yeah so that's kind of you know my motivator you could say in addition obviously my kids are part of my why and a bit of my motivator but they're not all of my why Oh, that's awesome. And I, I, especially in the United States, because uh, me and my wife are foster parents. So the children are oftentimes being taken away because of the mental illness of uh, their parents or guardians. 100%. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I feel like they're the parents themselves don't get the adequate services or they, you know, the system truly doesn't understand what's even wrong with them. So a lot of the time, some of the mental illnesses are hereditary. So some of the outbursts and stuff of the children in foster care and some of the children we've had uh, on a short term basis uh, have, you know, different things that trigger them out of nowhere. And they've never properly been evaluated. So they can't really get the help that they need. It just a lot of the times attributed to ADHD or, you know, this is ADHD or ADHD. And it's never really um, identified. You know, and the thing is in America, I know when I was a clinician in North Carolina, now obviously each state is quite different in regards to their fundings and then both state funding and federal funding and that. And, you know, and when I was in North Carolina, there was a big change of reform with the mental health there. And, you know, you had to have particular diagnoses, which again, obviously lead to a label and a particular severity. And a lot of times ADHD is what they give you. But unfortunately, there's no... I'm not minimizing ADHD, but there's no um, 
it's not enough quote on air quote to be able to get the funding that those families need to get the support for their kids to potentially say break that cycle um for you know next generation so yeah it is it's always a tricky one i agree so what's one thing that you may have had that you felt was a weakness that you've turned into a strength and utilized today yeah, I think again, when I first started, I think when we first start, we're just trying to do whatever we can just to survive, really. I, I always look at those first couple of, you know, first year or two years of really survival mode. And I think when I first started, I probably could have been definitely my weakness at that stage was, you know, really looking at my numbers and my finances. So even though I still had all my accounting set up and I still here in Australia were required if you're registered for GST to give the government a thing called your business activity statement, your BAS statement every quarter. Um, and even though that I was ticking all those boxes, I really never looked at my numbers at the beginning. It was kind of more of a tick and flick. And so my weakness was then, yeah, going not really understanding where I stood with my business, what I was doing from a financial point and just kind of making decisions without really having that financial strategy behind it. Whereas now my numbers, you know, and what I work with my own consulting clients are, they're massive, right? Like we're looking at data all the time because if you can look at data, you can see what's working, what isn't working and then change your strategy based on that or as a component of that, I should say. So yes, my weakness at the beginning was definitely my finances where now, you know, again, the accountants provide me with monthly updates. I've got, um, I'm now doing profit first, which is great. Um, and yeah, so yeah, so that's what I definitely would say was my weakness at the beginning, which is now doing turn into a strength still something that I work on every single month as I get better and better and bigger and bigger but uh yeah the weakness uh, the weakness was definitely the finances at the beginning yeah I think it's one of those things where maybe you wear a lot of hats to begin with and then it's something that you you know focus on as a priority and learn as you go and kind of like you said get bigger and get better because you're forced to in order to scale yeah. And I would say uh, it's not just finances. I would say like numbers collectively, if I had to kind of really overarch it, like I didn't really look at Google analytics at the beginning. I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, again, look at those financial numbers. I didn't look at my social media, not my numbers in regards to fans, but my actual, do you know what I mean? Data. What time are they coming on? Uh, how long are they staying on for? What are they reading? What are they interested in? What's my bounce rate? Like all of those numbers, which are super important for e-commerce and service-based business to be able to write content, understand product uh, development, particularly uh, a variety of other things. Yeah, it just wasn't. I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just keep buying this or oh, yeah, we'll just keep doing this. For now, it's like, you know, buy only if you need to or write particular articles, you know, like, yeah. So, yeah. So there's so much value in knowing your numbers, not just your financial numbers, but just your numbers collectively. Yeah, that data driven process can help you scale faster where you understand what the user needs and basically deliver it to them. 100%. Yes. So I really appreciate you stopping by. Uh, can you leave a piece of advice for the audience, professional or personal? I guess personal, I guess I'll leave two. Personal is obviously one, in the event of burnout or anything like that for your own individual self, I would say like make sure that you take care of yourself and I know it's easier said than done. Uh, but if in the event that you really are feeling those lows or those highs or anything in between, you know, always make sure that, you know, just be mindful that your regular doctor or your GP is there to be able to help you out um, and that, yeah. It's, it's something important to make sure that you not only take care of your physical health, but obviously your mental health. 
And if I had to believe with anything on a business level, I would just be mindful about how you interact with your clients on a regular basis. And what I'm talking about more specifically is from a human to human marketing basis. And when I say human to human marketing, I'm talking about the marketing that pertains to the experience and the interaction one faces with a particular brand. So often I see people focused on B2B and B2C, but they're forgetting ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, the people that they are selling to are actually, um, yeah, humans. And if, you know, one of the things I talk about when I uh, do different speaking events is, you know, most recent studies have concluded that your customers are human, but yet people are so driven by automating everything through bots and emails. And I believe there's a place for automation, especially when you're scaling. But you need to remember that again, people are longing for human connectiveness. People are looking for a point of difference. Um, and if you think about the book that Seth Godin talks about in Purple Cow, he talks about all, you know, using this beautiful um, scenery in France and he's driving and there's brown cows and white cows and black cows, but eventually they become old and boring. And I think there's a lot of businesses that are becoming old and boring because they're trying to do what everyone else is doing. And you must stand out and be the purple cow because if you can be the purple cow, you become remarkable, you become memorable. Um, and you do that through that human to human marketing that that constant what interaction are you having with your clients and what experiences are you making for them to come back and I genuinely believe that conversation is conversion if you take the time to get to know your people who are human beings and you have really rich and lovely conversations with them through time when the trust is there the rapport is there you will see the conversion and the last thing I just want to leave with is that through that human human connective or human to human marketing connectiveness is that I've learned that and this is a quote that I've heard over the years is that I've learned that people forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel and so again by you know having those interactions and those experiences you are going to be memorable and when that happens there is a feeling that is evoked because you've taken time to get to know them and you will stand out and be the purple cow so that's my kind of little advice at the end that's uh 100 i agree with that i kind of highlight that a lot of the time because ultimately it's uh branding it's what makes your brand um you know stand out and what why your brand is human you know you may have 10 other people or businesses in your space but if all they are is pushing out content sell 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 but not showing kind of their human factor their people what they're about their value proposition their kind of founding principles that you know that product within that vertical may be the same exact thing for those 10 companies but they're buying from you because you're different and you're like individual and you have that kind of personal connection and i wholeheartedly agree with that emotional component so if you have obviously content or you know the messaging that leaves a emotion kind of emotional trigger with the uh the audience or the user they're gonna remember you over competitor because it's the you made them feel a certain way usually obviously happiness or positive emotion yes 100 percent, and that's what you know what i mean when people have to look at say you know it says i'm a business consultant if people are looking at five different business consultants and we all are the same brown and black cows but i'm the one that's gotten on the phone call i'm the one not a sales team but it's been me i've done the follow-up email etc etc i've taken time to get to know them if, when it comes down to choose the people people buy based on emotional do you know what i mean motivators and people nowadays specifically are really interested 
tested and people taking that extra step. And I believe old will become the new again. And what I mean by that is, is that back in the day, you used to pick up the phone. You used to, you know, you really did connect with people. You look at the yellow pages, um, you know, or the phone books back in the days. Like there was a different way of connecting. And I think people, especially in first world countries where again, our depression and our anxiety and our suicide rates are much higher than the majority of other countries in the world. Um, there's something to be said about being able to connect with your audience. I agree. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Sure. Yes. There's, I guess, three different ways that you can find me. One is I have a very active Facebook community called the Australian Business Collaborative. Now, please know it's not just for Aussies. It's just because I now live in Australia that it's called Australian Business Collaborative. Uh, the next way you can uh, connect with me is I also have a podcast, weekly podcast podcast that goes out called business and life conversations with Angela Henderson. And you can find that on all major platforms just by searching for business and life conversations with Angela Henderson. And lastly, I offer, you know, so much advice over on my website, which is AngelaHenderson.com.au. Uh, and yes, over there, you'll find different content that can help you grow your business. And also there's a 30 minute discovery call if you're ready to invest in yourself, both, both emotionally and financially to have someone help you in the space from a business consultant and coach and I'd love for you to hop on a call so yes awesome thanks again for stopping by thanks so much you have an awesome day this podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com until next time all you digital savages